Hello and welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast. Your home for Irish folklore, mythology and all things storytelling. Yes, hello, this is episode 58 of the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast. I am Paddy Holly and I am joined by the marvellous, the fantastic, Tasmagorical Marco Giron. Come as thought to Mark. Tommy, come on, Stephen. Uh, come see, come see. <laughs> <laughs> All of the languages. Yeah. <laughs> feel like feel like uh, only fools and horses. Speaking <laughs> yeah. French, it's a bit of everything. Uh, but yeah, it's episode 58, one for every year that you've been alive. <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, You're very welcome. That so actually good. was me hitting on you. That isn't. Oh wow! You look so old. That 58's a compliment. You're looking for a father figure, are you? <laughs> That's it. I'm very lonely. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Episode 58. Wow. 58. Mm. I can't believe we've made 58 of these things. Uh, we've made a lot more than that. That's Most true. We'll never see the light of day. Uh, we made 58 that stand in an order together. Yeah, there's that. We also did Where the Story Begins. We did 40 episodes of that during the dark period. That's true. That's mm. true. The time that time shall forget. Yes, we never won the war for that, though. No, no. Uh, today we are a very maritime. We are uh, uh We are down by the seaside today uh, for our story. Our story today is from uh, the Dukas Connection. When I say the Dukas Collection, what comes to mind, Mark? Uh, well, for me, it's the story. It's the schools collection. The schools part of the collection. But that's because I know what it is, though. So <laughs> what, <laughs> that, what do I think of? I think true. I think of what it is, Paddy. Right. It's a great collection. Uh, the second largest uh, folklore collection in the world after Finland. Yeah. Damn you, Finland. Uh, and all the Finnish listeners for being better than us. Two million pages. Two million pages. Where have uh, digitized so far. Yeah, and there's a lot more to go. Yeah, seven hundred and fifty thousand of which is the uh, is the school's questionnaire. Yeah. So nineteen thirties, forties, maybe a little bit later, uh, the uh, school children were asked to uh, write down uh, some of their favorite stories from their locality uh, in their very best copy books and use their very best handwriting. Yeah. They were told to be very careful with their handwriting because it had to be perfect because it had to be read by uh, generations to come. And they all uh, very diligently did so. They perfect Yeah, because when you say when you say school children, like people automatically think of like the well, I assume people automatically think of like younger school children. Yeah. But the handwriting, because you can actually on the Dukas uh, website, Dukas.ie, yeah. you can look at all the original handwritten pages, and the handwriting's better than mine. Yes, it's a lot better than mine as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe as well, people went to. I know from my own doing my own family uh, ancestry that people went to school at different times I know we've become kind of rigid now when the child is four and a half five they yeah. must go to school but you know if the if the house was stuck for work around uh, you couldn't yeah. really go to school yeah yeah, you wouldn't have done 14 consecutive years of schooling back in the day no no you wouldn't have started sure, by 14 you're married and you've got a job <laughs> My mother, my own mother was married at nineteen. You barely yeah. trust a nineteen year old to drive a car now, not mind get married. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Ah, uh, yeah, but they're different times, Paddy. Definitely. Definitely. God, we're starting to sound like two old fogies. We are, but uh, uh, my mother is from a, a fishing community, Breek, 
uh, in North Kerry near uh, the Cashin River in Ballyduff. Yeah. It's now a very uh, upscale golf course. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. yeah. There is some great golf over there. Like, yeah. well, it's a beautiful part of the part of the world, really. Uh, and you know the the obsession with boats and and fishing and the colour the wee the wee boat that you rode out into the water. But I mean, a lot we we when you say it's maritime, so many of our stories in out of the fifty eight episodes are water related. Yes. But we live on an island. That's very true. You know I mean? And it's crisp <laughs> across by the most amazing rivers. Yeah. You know? And of course, naturally, fishermen are quite a superstitious crowd. They are. They are. For instance, in my own, where I come from, we look out at Scattery Island. Yeah. Scattery Island. There were nine churches on that island. And so everyone believed it was particularly holy. Did have nine churches, one and, for every three pubs. Yeah, and uh, I've probably told this on a podcast before. As uh, your your lovely daughter Claire reminded me, I have a habit of repeating myself. Did she say that to you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's quite yeah, she's quite mean, she's quite rude. Yeah. But the little stones from the island were supposed to save you from drowning. So if you took a if a fisherman took a stone from Scattery Island, then he couldn't be drowned oh. out in the water. Well, I have not. I've known you a while. I've not heard that from you, so. You're not repeating yourself. Oh, good. Or I just wasn't listening last time you told me. It's going to be one or the other. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, Poddy, we've got Fawn telling a story today from yes. the Duke's collection. And weirdly, it's not from Kerry. No. Even no. though we've managed to talk about Kerry quite a bit already. Yeah, is it? Joseph O'Toole of On was the, the main, the big collector guy down in Kerry. And there was another lad in, in uh, Galway and, and in Donegal as well. Yeah, they were collecting the stories of Peg, obviously. And yeah, of course. Yeah. But this one is uh, this one's from Sligo, it's from Glenadoon. Oh. Um, Beautiful part of the world, County Sligo. Yes, I oh, know it absolutely. I love Sligo. So that's when we went up Queen Maeve's tomb. Yeah. That was a great field trip. That was. Uh, we got the train out, playing games on the train, kept ourselves entertained, and uh, we had a weird moment as we were walking up to Queen Maeve's tomb. There's a bit on the hill where just there was no echo. Oh, wow. and it was a misty whatever way it was shaped you could let a roar on any other part of it there was an amazing echo but this one little dip we all shouted and there was no echo there was and no was reverb from your own voice terrifying yeah. terrifying idea really kind of set the mood for going up to yeah. and then we were throwing sticks over our shoulders trying to get them to land in a triangle of sticks oh. and we drank hot chocolate it was a great day beautiful beaches that part of the world yeah, which brings us again back to the story. I suppose we should have a listen to Fawn's yes. story. And what's funny is I've not heard this one before. And no. Fawn is great for finding the really weird ones. Yeah. You know, Fawn's that type of person like will just pull something out of their pocket. You're like, what the hell is that? Yes. <laughs> you know, they're that child, you know. <laughs> so but, this is from the Duke's collection. And it's the lovely Storm Baby. The Storm Baby. Long ago, before we forgot, the fishermen of the village of Lenadoon, on the coast of County Sligo, were setting out to sea to bring in the herring. Now it was a fine, clear, sunny day, 
There wasn't a cloud in the sky. The wind was still, and the sea was calm. And so the fishermen, they rowed out as far as they could, before casting out their nets. And when they drew the nets back in, each one came back, filled to the brim, bulging with fish. So they cast their nets out another three or four times. And it was on the third, or perhaps it was the fourth time they drew them in, that they found something very strange in one of the nets. Because sitting amongst the wriggling silver bodies of the fish was what looked like a human baby. A perfectly healthy, perfectly ordinary looking baby. Except for its shining jet black eyes. They looked like two pieces of polished stone set into the skin of its face. And not knowing what else to do, the fisherman picked up the baby from where it sat in the net. And laid it down in one of the boats. And the baby didn't laugh or gurgle. It didn't cry or scream or make much of any sound at all. It just lay there in the boat, breathing softly as it watched the fishermen, staring at them with its jet black eyes. As the fishermen, they said to each other, Sure, we've already had a great catch today. It's not like we need to stay out any longer. I'm sure there must be some family that's missing this baby. It has to belong to somebody back home. Maybe we should just finish up for the day. And so they decided to do the only thing they could think of. They were going to return home to find the baby's family. But the moment they pointed the prows of their boats back towards shore, the sky darkened. Clouds rolled in. The wind began to howl. Thunder roared. And lightning filled the sky. And the sea, which had been calm and gentle all day, became rough and tumultuous huge waves began to toss their boats back and forth and no matter how hard the fishermen rowed no matter how they heaved and hauled on the oars the wind and the waves kept driving their boats further and further out into the atlantic ocean after hours of Struggling desperately against wind and sea, the fishermen were exhausted. They couldn't row any longer. And so they said to each other, after dropping their oars, Maybe we've got this all wrong. Maybe the baby's family isn't back home after all, or anywhere else on land either. What if the baby's family lives somewhere under?
the sea. And they caused this storm because we took their baby away from them. What if the baby caused it because we've taken it from its family? Maybe we've done the wrong thing altogether. And so they decided to do the only thing they could think of. They picked up the baby from where it lay in the boat and very gently, very carefully, they lowered it over the side. And the moment the baby's feet touched the water, the sky became clear again. The clouds rolled back, the wind died down, the sea became calm. And the fishermen, they watched the baby as it swam out to sea. And once it had faded from view, they picked up their oars and rowed back to the harbour at Lenadoon, arriving home safely. And all because they had returned the storm baby back to the sea. That was an out-of-this-world experience, wasn't it? It was so normal. That's what I think is strange about it. Like, that's... It was normal. <laughs> no, but what I mean, like, I mean, it's two lads in a boat together and this thing happened. Yeah. And so many of our stories about something that happens to one guy, so there's no witness for us right. all. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But you wonder what actually... Because these stories all come from somewhere. They like, must have. Yeah. Maybe they did... Do you know what? They were going through that. Maybe they did find a baby in the net with the you know maybe that happened like back home there's there's two uh, there was two men and they claimed that when they were cutting into a tree a fairy tree a hawthorn tree that the tree began to weep human blood now they both of them uh, swore to it for the entirety of their lives so you do wonder like something must actually have happened that it couldn't be just to Let's just tell people for the next 50 years that when we cut into a tree, it was going to bleed. It'd make you wonder, though, about the stuff we don't hear about. You know, there are the things people are going around saying, what if people experience that they're, that they're not telling you? But the thing with the trees bleeding, that's not uncommon. And the sap no. of some trees, types of trees, is quite, does have like a reddish hue and stuff like that. But, um, but like the moving statues as well. Very yeah. common in Ireland for... The statues set up in grottos to, to appear to move, mm. uh, and then, but then you saw how crazy those those events made people. Yeah, you know, hundreds of people gathered in the in the rain to see if uh, what is essentially either a cement or porcelain statue, uh, to see if it will actually move. Have a dance, have a cry. Yeah, but at this though, like, is the two lads in the boat and they find a baby and they. I mean, the reasonable thing to do is like, yeah, let's take it back to shore and see if we can find whose baby it is. Yeah, there's there's something very there's something that speaks to me in in a few ways about it. First is the the two lads are f- uh, stoic is the wrong word, but they're very Irish in the yeah. sense that 
you know, there's no, oh golly gee, <laughs> yeah, Bob, yeah, yeah, yeah. The baby is talking. It's like, oh god. Well, that's also like in, in how Fawn tells it. That's true. Fawn's draw of the words and their big build ups and stuff like that. Yeah. But they, it, that's why I said it's just it sound it's so normal. Yeah. In like in Fawn's voice, it's just it's a thing that happened. Yeah. But that they come to the realization conclusion that hey, maybe the reason there's a storm. Because you know the weather's always beautiful on the seas around Ireland. <laughs> uh, there must be some supernatural explanation for this bad weather. Uh, let's throw the baby back in the water is kind of... Is right. it, but it's quite an uneventful story. It, oh, the, well, the, 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 the scene where the baby's eyes go black and that kind of thing, all right, is, is fairly affecting. But other than the storm rising and the baby going back and yeah. coming onto the boat and going out in the water, it's very atmospheric. Yeah, you know, it's very atmospheric. Yeah, like it, it sounds like a painting. But the black-eyed children thing is a massive phenomenon all over the world. Oh, yeah. uh, and it was big in the early 90s. And you'll read about it like in a lot of these kind of conspiracy theory things where people believe that they're like these children are aliens, where people are saying right. that they walk along and they see a child at a bus stop and the child has pure black eyes. Okay. And then people looked at like, well, there's certain medical conditions that can cause a child's pupils to be like extremely dilated and that. But, right. Um, the black-eyed children is, if anyone who's listening to this goes off and looks into it, it is a weird phenomenon. It's like the Mothman kind of thing. Right. It's got that kind of cult following. Yeah. But of course in Ireland, oh, child's got black eyes, let's throw it back in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? It, I, it could have gone one of two ways. I'm surprised they didn't need it. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you pulled a child out of the sea and the child was a living and just staring at you forebodingly, yeah. and it's fairly... It's it's fairly ballsy move to go. Well, let's let's bring it the child home. Yeah. It must be very cold out here, you know. Well, I suppose when there's two of you there, you can't be seen to force something. And I would just chuck it back in. But if it was one lad on his own, come on. No, they were very aware as well that each time they went out in the boats, they might be coming home. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, and again, that's what we say. Like you know, before the story about being quite a superstitious kind of people fishermen because so much of their livelihood and, and life and death was came down to faith and came down to yeah. chance yeah and uh, all doing all the little rituals and omens so they essentially they are they're, when they get into the boat they're aware that day that they could die yeah. no matter how fine the weather is and then they bring the baby and they think well you can't leave a baby so we'll bring it in and then the storm rises and they think well definitely the yeah. baby it's it's I often say when in the fairy hill here when I'm talking about the the dirty water. Yeah. That these are not unintelligent people who believed or practiced these things or no. that are in the stories. Like dirty water was the thing that made everyone sick in the in the nineteenth century. So it's very logical to be afraid of it. Well, it's, it's funny you just say we're literally having a this is weird now to have in the podcast we're having a conversation at the front earlier on and um, it was actually Molly came out with this one to me and they were quite excited because I just arrived in this morning and they're like have you heard this thing about the Bronte sisters the the idea that they died so young because they were drinking gra- water, grave water yeah grave water <laughs> I mean but again intelligent people do things out of the idea of ritual superstition belief yeah. Um, and you'd imagine like fishermen quite hearty men like you know wouldn't yeah. be really ones to give in to it but 
again. Oh, but yeah, they had like uh, hag stones and lucky stones they carried in their pockets. Yeah. Their rosary beads, perhaps, or a scapular around their neck. You know, the the old myth about the scapular around your neck was that anyone wearing it would would not be refused at the gates of heaven. You know, it's those kind of uh, almost. It's an almost pagan propitiation, yeah. as as we as it's called. Uh, that if you do things in a certain way in the right way then the gods will remain happy with you keep uh, them on side just in case yeah but it was that thing about if a fisherman saw a red haired woman on his way down to the down to the boat he was to turn around and go home straight away yeah and she wasn't allowed into the house on New Year's Eve yeah because uh, it would bring trouble into the house no comment. No comment. This <laughs> no is not comment. a place for for like anti red hair. Um, no, well, we're Irish after all. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, we don't need to stand up for uh, for red haired people. They're more than capable of doing it themselves. They're mobilized now. They're mobilized now. And you've got a few few uh, ginger hairs in your beard. Paul. I do. I do. Uh, my partner often says that there are four colors in my beard. Ginger, yeah. uh, brown, uh, blonde, and black. Uh, <laughs> Did uh, not mention the grey. No, no he doesn't mention don't, the grey. He doesn't okay. mention the grey. No, <laughs> not God. bad for a man who's fifty-eight years of age, Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> but one last thing I want to say about this story, though, Paddy, is is the name Fawn gives it. The storm. The storm, baby. <laughs> yeah, I just think I just hear riders on the storm. You know that kind of uh, the doors. Um, well, I just hear it as the name of the story is the storm, and then Fawn is referring to me as baby. <laughs> that's that's what I choose to hear. Yeah, it's like when it's like a very bad chat up line. It's like yeah. I am the storm, baby. baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and, so sorry, Fawn. And on, and on that note, uh, oh, uh, one thing before we leave, uh, you uh, were to mention something about. Uh, th- themes returning to our monthly podcast yes themes is good so if, if people could like of course always like subscribe one of the things I love is if you like the podcast share it with someone else who you know who'd enjoy the podcast you can of course get us on all the other platforms as well but we love suggestion of themes you give us a theme we will find a story relevant to that theme yeah. and we'll try keep on topic yes that's the real challenge I mean all Enya this time there'll be no Enya there'll be no talking about whether eating a leprechaun is cannibalism or not but maybe that's the reason some people listen well then suggest a theme of cannibalism uh, <laughs> there's plenty of that in Irish yeah. in Irish mythology that's, that's true uh, so give us some themes give us some, give us some challenges and uh, we will make our podcasts to yeah. suit reach out to us on the usual social media websites you can also write us a letter write us a letter or send us an email <laughs> Put it and put it under a rock on Bray Head. Yeah, we're gonna find it. We'll Nisha find will it. Pick it up there. Yeah, pick it up on the way home. Yeah. Uh, well, this and all that's left to do is to thank everyone. So, uh, thank you very much, one and all. Uh, I was Paddy Holly. You were. I was Mark. And you were very, very good listeners. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast. Remember the best way to support us is by liking, subscribing and sharing with a friend.